This podcast should not be considered as financial advice. If you need financial advice, please reach out to a certified financial planner. But do make sure he or she isn't someone that thought cryptocurrency was just a fad of the early 2000s. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective as well as why the common collective resists new information. Fabiola. Hey, Leo. It's that time of the week again. We are recording. Yes. And we've got a special treat. We're actually breaking from the norm of our 24-7 COVID coverage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Woohoo! And we're actually going to be talking about a topic that we've been discussing quite a bit over the last few months, and that is... Cryptocurrency. All right. Yeah. Blockchain, crypto, all those things. And we actually have our very first um, uh, guest on the program that is going to speak. We have an expert. And uh, um, let's go ahead and get him on the line. Just hang on one second. Okay, so I have uh, one of our new friends, Christian, on the line, and uh, he is actually an entrepreneur, a crypto investor slash enthusiast, and in the last year, he's been working to help founders launch their blockchain technology and tokens to the world. Christian, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. We appreciate you taking the time to visit with us on the program. We're trying to, I I mentioned earlier, we're taking a break from our 24-7 COVID coverage, (laughs) and uh, we're trying to break out into some new topics. And cryptocurrency is something that we've been talking about a lot recently, and uh, you've been extremely um, helpful just kind of informing us of the landscape, and uh, there's a lot to know. There is, most definitely. So um, maybe we could start, maybe a good place to start is how you came to be interested in cryptocurrency initially. And, uh, you know, did you view it as a risk or did you see it as an opportunity right out of the gate? Well, this is going to sound a bit strange to you, but I literally bought the the very, very bottom of the 2015 bull market, or sorry, bear market rather in cryptocurrency because I just felt like on a whim, I should give it a go and see what happens. And so the the price of Bitcoin at the time in 2015 was at about $190 per coin. As of today, it's about you know 60,000 thereabouts and will definitely be going much, much higher over time. But that's how I first really officially entered the market. And I, I had held off from getting into it for a while because I have a very good friend who started one of the very first email marketing companies way back in the day who has was telling me, um, to avoid it, to avoid crypto, avoid Bitcoin. It's, it's not anything useful. And he, um, I figured, hey, you know, he knows software, he knows tech, he's a pretty smart guy, so I'll just kind of avoid it. But like I said, in 2015, I decided to go ahead and throw some money at it and see what happens, and it was a, it was a pretty good play. Um, I didn't hold on to all of it. I sold a good majority of it uh, leading up to the, the run-up into 2016, which was definitely a mistake, but I lessened, uh, lesson learned. You know, I went ahead and... Um, and really dove in in 2017, seeing that 20K peak for Bitcoin and really wanted to figure out what exactly is this tech really all about and what could it do for mankind. And that was my big motive at that point is, is I, I really wanted to know how this truly could free the individual and make every man, woman and child on this planet free and sovereign, having complete control over their finances and, and, and not only that, but I also discovered when I did dive in in 2017, that this is so much more than just finance that we're talking about here. We're talking about transforming the the sharing and communication of, of data, which as we know is a big topic right now with all the big, big tech companies like Facebook and Google and the rest of them and how they're abusing data. And we're talking about an entirely new internet, one that is decentralized versus a centralized one that we have currently. So this is so much here and as I began to really dive in and, and see the potential for how this could provide so much freedom to the individual and, and so much more control, that's what really fired me up and that's what got me into it. And so since then, I've been 
working with various projects and founders more than just an investor, but helping them to actually uh, bring fantastic technology to market that I feel really does meet those those goals and and that follows that ethos. Well, you know, something you, you said there, you know, about empowering individuals with, around finance and whatnot and being decentralized. We've had some of the uh, listeners, uh, we kind of pinged them just to ask them about some of their concerns and whatnot. And several still, you know, bring up the security of it all. And, and uh, it makes me smile a bit because, you know, the decentralized nature to me seems more secure. But where do you think that, you know, just like when people were, were kind of worried about security in the cloud, and now we're really seeing mass adoption of companies, you know, using cloud technologies, which still have their challenges, but but I think they're getting over some of the, the, the security framework issues. What do you think is um, at least... Is, is, is it just the bad name that it gets in the press that makes people think the security could still be a challenge? Or do you 100% believe that the, the blockchain is really the securest thing out there that we have? That's an excellent question. Well, I have two answers for you here. One is I do believe there are still valid security concerns with most, if not all, blockchains out there today. But secondarily, I would say that if we're talking about apples to apples here and comparing blockchain technology from some of the larger chains out there like Bitcoin or Ethereum or others versus the current financial infrastructure or internet infrastructure today, I would say that from my understanding, there's no question that these blockchains are far more secure than what we currently are using. I mean, look at all the companies every single day that get hacked and you see 500 million users that all their data flooded on the internet and it's out there for anybody to access. And that literally happens every single day. Many of us don't even hear about it or at this point I've just tuned it out because it happens so often, but we still have faith in these systems. We still have faith and, and we still go to websites and social media platforms and sign up for accounts and, and put in our password and email and everything else, even though all these platforms continually have have hacks. And one of the recent ones that came out was a platform called Clubhouse. It's an app for your phone. Yeah, I'm familiar Supposedly with it. Was one of the, yeah, it was one of the, one of the fastest growing social uh, apps out there. And they just had a hack where all the customer data was released to, to everybody. So it just happens all the time. And if you look at what is going on in Ethereum, for example, as far as I know, Ethereum has never been hacked whatsoever, except for... In the earliest of days, when it first launched, there was a an inflation bug, I believe, that was um, exploited in Ethereum, and they went ahead and promptly fixed that. They forked to uh, a new chain, and um, that's the Ethereum we have today, and since then, it's been totally safe. So I think it really depends on, on what your metrics are, but I do feel like a lot of the fear comes from what you said, Leo, is that we have people that are afraid of of what they hear in the media about blockchain and cryptocurrency. And I think a lot of that stems from the old system, the centralized system, lashing out against one that would essentially eliminate their power and control. Yeah, no, I, I get that feeling a lot. And uh, I'm, I've kind of gotten past that myself. It took me a while. Um, but, you know, when we look at just the everyday use. I know that um, since we've been communicating and, and I've you know gotten set up with wallets and exchanges and things like that, you know, it's a bit of a learning curve. And just understanding, you know, where you have vulnerability, um, you know, when you're using these applications, they're like, make sure nobody's in the room with you, you know, looking at pass keys and stuff. I mean, do you see that? Because to me, it still seems like it's probably a little bit more um, dramatic than what a normal person is prepared to deal with. And I don't, I don't know if, if you see that differently or do you see that evolving here and there's new things coming out that are going to make the securing of, you know, passphrases and things of that nature a little bit more easy to deal with? Oh, I agree. I definitely think that as of right now, it is very difficult for the average person to to dive in and feel comfortable with creating all these secret backup phrases and, and doing so securely and offline. And yeah, I definitely think there needs to be a lot of, of upgrades as far as the user experience. And that will come. I'm confident it will come. So at some point in time, people will be able to essentially have complete possession of their, their finances and their data and everything, complete sovereignty over that. 
but it'll be push button simple for the most part. And I think there's going to be, I mean, there's going to be an element of, of giving up control to have it be really push button simple. But I think for a lot of people, it'll be enough and they'll be happy with it. And so they'll, they'll choose an option. And of course, for those who are a little bit more security conscious and who want to really have complete control over, over their data and finances, they have the ability to do a couple of extra steps that aren't, aren't too difficult at all. And, and they really have complete control in that case. So it'll get easier. It's definitely evolving. I, I'm glad to hear that because, I mean, it is a little bit uh, stressful, you know, and you're like, okay, I just want to, you know, copy and paste this passphrase. Like, no, don't copy and paste it. You know, you need to uh, write it down, lock it in a safe, you know. <laughs> and right. you're like, really, is this what it what it's come down to? I, I don't have a safe right on me. So it, it, it and also that's kind of maybe from a landscape perspective, um, I don't want to get too much in the weeds in like the structure, but you know, you, you obviously have the wallets, you've got the, um, exchanges and then even in the wallets, you've got the physical wallets and then you've got the virtual wallets that either run on mobile devices or they run on your uh, laptop itself. And, uh, um, I think that people don't really understand as far as like, what you tangibly hold when you buy cryptocurrency and where it's located. Um, you know, th that's probably one of the biggest things when I've been communicating with people who are also getting into this is, is just envisioning the, the layout of where the actual um, currency, you know, the store of value exists. And um, would you say that that is uh, one of the biggest um you know, it's difficult things for people to comprehend and, and, and manage as they kind of get into the currency space? Well, when it comes to the question of, of where does the value come from, I know it's hard for a lot of people because this is a new paradigm shift to say, well, I'm just going to have this digital money, this currency that I can utilize and that's that's real and, and valuable and, and concrete uh, versus some kind of hard hard money or even paper money you have in your wallet. But if you look at what are the most successful and wealthy industries and, and marketplaces today on this planet, it is the, the digital companies. It mm -hmm. is internet companies. It's, it's the Googles and the Microsofts and the Apples, right? Mm -hmm. So, And it took time for the public to have that paradigm shift to go from completely being an offline world to being online and to accept that and to see real value in that. But now it's here. And that same shift is going to happen when it comes to cryptocurrency and digital assets and new platforms that are decentralized in nature. But I feel like a great deal of value, and all of this ultimately is perception, but it really does come in decentralization. And, and you know, you can't really put, a, in my opinion, a price tag on that. I mean, the fr freedom is freedom. It's, it's, it's beautiful. And where, where else can you get that uh, but currently in the cryptocurrency and blockchain world? Fabi, do you have a question? Yeah, I do have a question, Christian, because this is all new to me. Leo's been more in the weeds with it. But I, I still struggle with, you know, what are, like, if you could uh, explain it simply, what are the differences between, okay, like, you have your bank account and you have your money in there uh, versus you have your wallet and your cryptocurrency in there? That's a great question. Well, I would say that the difference is, is minimal as far as user experience or, or just viewability. Because if you log into your bank account and you see, okay, I've got $25,000 in there, and then you maybe open up a mobile app that is a cryptocurrency wallet, and it shows you that you have $25,000 worth of Digibyte or Ethereum, well, it's essentially the same thing. You kind of move it around the same way, and you can buy and sell and transact and and do all those those simple things um, the same way. And so, what's going to happen, I believe, is the world is going to going to shift in, you know, into this new this new paradigm. And, and one of the things that that is currently a big deal in the cryptocurrency space is these things called stable coins. And they call them stable coins because they're tied. They're actually pegged to the U.S. dollar, or they're pegged to the the, the Chinese yuan, or something else. And these, um, these coins are running on the blockchain, and so they're secured that way, but they are pegged to the dollar. And so, so for example, you might wake up one day and the U.S. government announces that they now have a digital U.S. dollar, which we already have. So, like, so literally, the, 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 um, 
the change for the consumer is going to be basically nothing. They're just going to wake up one day and their bank account is going to show dollars, but it's going to be dollars that are running on a blockchain platform versus being on a centralized server-like system. But you're saying we already have that with these stable coins. It's just not being operated by the federal government. Exactly. But many banks are already looking at integrating this on their own from a corporate perspective. And and so like you're you're saying that if they do that on their own, they would create their own stablecoin? They could do that. Some have, or they'll adopt one that already exists. There's many out there like USDC, um, which actually USDC, I believe, was created by JP Morgan. Oh, really? (laughs) So there you go. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of stable coins, to be honest, for several reasons. And and definitely when you have the big banks entering this space and and, um, creating different currencies or assets, that definitely is a red flag for me. But the great thing is you have choice. You get to use it if you want to, but you don't have to use it. There are other stable coins like like DAI, Make or Die, that uh, D-A-I, that allow you to pretty much operate in a decentralized manner, um, but it still has a peg to the U.S. dollar. Now, it's it's not as as pure as it could be as far as decentralization, but more and more every day, stable coins are launching that are pegged to different fiat currencies that are entirely decentralized. So again, you have complete freedom to move in and out of these different currencies, centralized or otherwise. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. Now, sure. for people that are even in the dummier stages of their learning or the lower stages <laughs> of learning, most basic. So I understand what is the centralized bank or like a safe in the bank, right? But what is this blockchain? Can you explain a little more what it is or how would you define it? Well, the best thing I would say is if you're brand new, you don't need to understand how blockchain works in order to use it. Just like the internet today, most people have no idea idea what the, the TCIP protocol is for the internet, but they all go to Amazon every day and they buy and sell and transact and do all that. And they're totally trusting whatever is 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 operating behind the scenes to work and be, um, be useful. And it's the same thing here. We're going to have the evolution. But if I were to give you a synopsis of what blockchain technology is, it's actually nothing very special at all. There's all these amazing terms in the space where they they just make things so difficult in how they describe what this tech is and how it works to to new people. But really, all blockchain is is a public ledger. That's all it is. It, it's a it's a ledger that everybody has a copy of. So you do, I do, everybody all around the world, anybody who chooses to anyway. And we are keeping track of all the transactions. So globally, so you know, it, it's we have software. Or hardware that is um, that's running in the background that is is keeping track of this ledger every time a transaction is, you know, pops up on the network, it it grabs that and uh, keeps track of it and verifies that transaction against everybody else's um, ledger in the, in the system in the global network and and that's what kind of makes it work and so you're ensuring as an individual what they call a miner for example if you're mining Bitcoin. Um, but you are just verifying that everything is legitimate. If it's not, then you go ahead and report that. And of course, you can you can have tra- bad transactions kicked out. But but it's very similar to I actually made a video about this a while back that is I don't think it's, any, it's public any longer. But essentially, if you put it in in simplistic terms, and let's say you had a let's say you had like a like a a friends night where you had everybody come over to your house and they were all playing a board game like Scrabble, and everybody's keeping track of the score for everybody around the table, and so. I'm keeping track of, you know, John and Sally and Marshall and everybody's scores. And if somebody tries to cheat, then when we all hold up our scorecards at the end of the game, we can visibly see, oh, well, hey, John cheated. Therefore, you know, he's he's an outcast. He, he lost the game and he's just, uh, he forfeits his, you know, his, uh, his operation here. So um, it's a very, very same thing with, with blockchain. It's exactly the same. That's all it is. It's really a super slow... Um, kind of an efficient database as at its current state. And all it's doing is is recording that public ledger, but in a decentralized manner. So all of us globally are doing that versus having a single server, like a box sitting in some warehouse that is housing that data. But you know, on that note, um, just to kind of 
go to the next level. Because one thing I was worried about when I was first making some investments or moving some money around is, you know, I'm like, oh, um, what if this doesn't show up on the other side? <laughs> you know, and, and it, it, it all did show up. Um, but what if it didn't? Obviously, in a banking scenario, I might call the bank, right? And, and say, hey, here's the ID. Why isn't the money in, at the other end? Um, and they could give me some information. And I know that, that the, the cool thing with, with uh, blockchain is that, you know, it's recording those transactions and you can actually access them and see them. Um, you know, the, the uh, what do they call it, like Etherscan and stuff like that. And, and uh, I don't know if I have the terminology right, but, but um, I'm wondering, does, does the money ever not show up on the other end? And, and uh, if it doesn't, is it gone forever? How, how, how does that work? Who do you That's call? a great question. Well, I can tell you that I have made, I don't know how many thousands of transactions on various blockchains over the years, and I've never had an issue where the the funds didn't show up on the other side, except for in the case of dealing with centralized services where they made a mistake in some way, and those funds were just restored to me. Um, another case would be, an exception perhaps, would be that I, I was transferring to some kind of other decentralized protocol, and there was a, an issue of some kind, just a failure. Um, maybe that there was a, I don't know if it was like a smart contract issue or what, but the point is the transaction failed. But those funds were in that case just either reverted back to my, my original wallet where they were always there to begin with. So I've never, ever, ever had an issue uh, with these these blockchain platforms before as far as losing funds the i would say the, the the real big issue and this actually happens a lot unfortunately is if you happen to enter a wrong address for the other side you're trying to send things to then you can lose them forever simply because you forwarded it on to to somebody else entirely so <laughs> that is a possibility but otherwise no in fact i would say that if if there was truly ever a failure in that you sent money from your wallet somewhere else on the blockchain in a decentralized manner and it was just disappeared, then that would be a failure in the entire blockchain network. And, and, you, again, and you, not, you've never heard really any stories like that? I have not, no, not once. Gotcha. Here, Fabi's got another yeah, question. Yeah, I have another question. So very basic to you. So with money, you know, you can go to the grocery store and buy your groceries. You can go and purchase pretty much, you know, walk into any store and purchase whatever you need. With cryptocurrency, what can you do with it? I mean, from what I see is people are getting in right now because of the investment factor, right? You get better returns than you would if you put your money in a savings account, maybe. Uh, but what else can you do with it right now? as it stands? Yeah, excellent question. Well, you can buy a great many real things uh, with cryptocurrencies. In fact, there is a test program that was launched, or pilot program rather, that was launched, I believe, by a company formed by the Winklevoss twins where you can actually use up to 100 cryptocurrencies to buy things at Home Depot or even Starbucks or all these different places and you essentially have to walk up and ask them specifically, hey, I want to pay with cryptocurrency for uh, for these items in order for them to do it. And they have their own little special POS system you can pull up and, and um, scan a QR code on it with your phone to go ahead and pay for that item. But but that, that apparently is active right now. And there is also a whole bunch of different transactions happening right now across the country and the world with real estate and with so many other things using cryptocurrency. Back in, I think I think it was 2017 actually, there was a real estate friend of mine who lives a few hours away and he was one of the first, maybe even the first real estate agent in the country to do a real estate deal for $8 million purely using Bitcoin. Even his commission was paid in Bitcoin. So there's definitely a lot of things happening. A lot of it right now is more so peer-to-peer. -peer. So it's like, hey, I want to, you know, do this 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 service for you, um, and if you want, you can go ahead and pay me in cryptocurrency or vice versa, right? 
that's where a lot of it stands right now. But more and more, you're going to see this moving into the mainstream where crypto be accepted. And there's so many services out there currently that are offering the ability, if you're on the merchant side, because you might say, hey, I don't want to deal with the volatility and the risk that comes with cryptocurrencies and, and accepting them as payments because they, you know, every every few years they drop by 85, 95%. <laughs> so mm-hmm. okay. I don't want to take risk. <laughs> so what they'll do is um, they can use one of these many services, merchant services, where you can, the consumer can pay you with cryptocurrency, but then it automatically converts it in their their technology to uh, to fiat. And so you're receiving fiat as a business owner, but everybody else is paying you in crypto. So that's becoming a much bigger and bigger thing. And right now it's mainly being used by online stores, but it does exist. And many people are even currently buying things on Amazon using cryptocurrency because there's a company out there. I don't know if they're still around or not, but they're called purse.io and they may have evolved into a new entity, but there's a few of them now that allow you to um, buy products on Amazon and eBay and elsewhere using cryptocurrency exclusively. You know, on that note, you know, I think one of the things that really took me aback when I started diving in was how many um, currencies or or tokens. I mean, I still don't really understand. I mean, token is just a word for whatever we're calling the thing, right? I mean, whether it's a Bitcoin or whether it's a um, uh, an XRP or whatever that that's that's just a a uh, uh, the the name of the token right or or am I looking at that incorrectly? Well, the, the name doesn't matter too much ultimately, although I'm sure people in the crypto space would tell you otherwise. <laughs> but essentially, a a usually you, you call something a coin if it is native to the blockchain. So, for example, Digibyte has its own blockchain and it has the Digibyte. Well, I'm going to say token, but that is actually a coin because it's tied to its own blockchain. Ethereum or ETH isn't actually a token. It really is a coin, but many call it a token. Even I do, and that's that's fine too. But usually tokens are assets that are that are running on or built on top of one of those blockchains. So for example, if you have something like, like Chainlink is a good example, um, that runs on the Ethereum blockchain. That's a token because it doesn't have its own native blockchain. Does that make sense? It does, but those ones that are running on the Ethereum blockchain, um, are those more, I mean, those can be used as currency or um, really they have other purposes, not really currency related? Oh, they certainly can be. That's a really cool thing is you you can design a crypto token or an asset to be so many different things. I mean, this is money that you can program to be anything. Maybe it's design function number one is meant to be a, it can be a governance token, it can be a a dividends token, it can be so many different things, but it can also be used secondarily as a currency to buy and sell things. I mean, Ethereum, for example, Ethereum's main, or ETH on the Ethereum blockchain, its main purpose is to be a, uh, a transaction layer on the on the chain itself. So if you are buying and selling something, you have to pay the miners to secure the network in the form of Ethereum. But people also use Ethereum around the world for currency, to buy and sell actual goods. So they use it for far more than its original intent. So then with that being said, like with the the sheer number of uh, tokens, coins that are available to um, you know, kind of transition your fiat into and whatnot. Do you see that this coming to an event where um, it's really going to, the system is going to jump down to say a handful of these and the rest of them are all going to go bye-bye? Or, or do you think that I, these could all feasibly serve a purpose uh, as long as their user base finds them um Interesting. I guess I'm just confused with the number of them and how. Um, why would somebody decide to build a new one? Um, just kind of. Can you speak to that landscape at all? Yeah, certainly. Well, it is kind of amazing because right now I'm guessing there are well over fifty thousand plus crypto assets out there and currencies that are are in the marketplace today. Globally. That's mind boggling. <laughs> It is. It is truly. So, how do you know what what's a good a good investment or even a good usable currency or or asset for whatever its purpose? It's a tough call, and I would say that 
what will be very, very bad for the world is if we enter a system where only a few survive, maybe even only one. Although I find that to be virtually impossible, but but even a few, a small handful, would be um, detrimental to I think humanity because the more choice you have, the more options you have, the more freedom you have. And I do believe what is going to happen is we are going to see a world where you're going to have probably even hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions one day of different cryptocurrencies and assets out there, and that they'll all be interoperable, interexchangeable, interchangeable um, with each other, and you'll be using essentially universal wallets that can be, again, a mobile app on your phone, it can be a physical device, it can be something else, but you don't have to worry about as a user, the details when you go into, let's say, buy something at the grocery store, um, anywhere in the world, you'll just be able to walk in, and when you go to pay for an item, you know, hey, this item is approximately, you know, two dollars worth of of Bitcoin, let's say, and it doesn't matter if you don't have Bitcoin on your phone or in your wallet, it'll take from whatever you currently have, and it will exchange it automatically based on the current rate of exchange for that trading pair into whatever currency they ultimately the the merchant wants to receive and there you go and so you could literally have hundreds of thousands of different currencies or many thousands that are are usable again globally interoperably and that is i think a very powerful thing yeah it is i have another question besides sure. <laughs> besides uh cryptocurrency you know one benefit as you said being decentralized what are other benefits you feel um, would be to get into cryptocurrency right now as, as it stands? Excellent question. Well, number one for me, and this is going to sound obvious, but it's the investment side. Because we are seeing a major shift globally in this direction, those who are on the bandwagon first will, will profit from it massively. And... The reason why I've been out there as as much as I have been behind the scenes bringing people into the space because I want, not only do I want to support the technology itself because of what it can do for mankind, but I also want really good people to to benefit from this financially because this shift is going to to bring a lot of wealth into this new system from the old system. And that shift really, even to this day, hasn't truly happened yet not on a massive scale, but I believe it's coming. And so when you're talking about hundreds of trillions of dollars moving into a market that is still barely emerging and just recently has surpassed the one trillion market cap um, ratio, it, it's, uh, there's a lot of opportunity there. And I think that anyone who is getting into this space and picking the right assets now and is willing to hang on to them for a while through the ups and the downs that may come, will benefit incredibly over the course of time, especially if they're willing to hang on to them for, for 10 years plus. Because I think by that point, we're going to be pretty much an entirely digital world operating with, with crypto assets as our, our means of exchange and so much more. Okay, that sounds amazing. Which leads to the question of, if you want to get into cryptocurrency, the cryptocurrency space, what would you recommend would be like the the starting point? Where do you start? The starting point? Well, I would say it's important that you educate yourself on the fundamentals first. Very simple fundamentals that you want to own your private keys, as we say in, in crypto, or control them. And all that means is that you are the custodian of your money. Nobody else holds it for you. So we don't want to create a new banking system. We want to replace the banking system and make you your own bank. So that means that you want to make sure that you are holding your crypto on a wallet that only you possess the, again, they call them private keys, the private keys to. Um, and there are many wallets out there, both on your phone, on your desktop, and again, even physical wallets that you can utilize to hold your crypto. I would say Going that direction is is very wise. Though I'm not a financial advisor, I think that's the best play um, because, again, you are your own custodian, and that gives you complete freedom. You are your own bank. So that's what I would look into first, making sure that I find the right wallets, choose what is best for me, and go that route. There are a few centralized 
options that I think are decent for new people who just say, you know what, I want to be invested in the space. I want to profit from it, but I don't really care about the other stuff. And I don't want to hold my own keys. I don't want to be my own custodian. I'm afraid of losing something. In that case, there are a few options out there. One of them that I do trust is called Celsius Network. And if you're going to be with a, a centralized entity holding your, your money, your funds, then there's a, a new bank essentially in the crypto world that you can utilize who has a really amazing founder who believes in the vision and mission of crypto and who you can hold your funds with in a very simple and easy way. But from there, I would say it's important that you use a a couple of good resources. One of them is nomics.com, N-O-M-I-C-S.com. And there's many others as well too. But a site like that, which is a a kind of like a coin ranking site, and it ranks everything usually by a market cap. So, um, you know, for example, Bitcoin is the the largest market cap in the space. Then you have Ethereum as number two and so on. But it's a good place to go look at the basics of like where is an asset ranked currently by market cap? What is its current price? How is it moving in the markets? And it gives you a really nice overview of, of what's happening. I would look for things using a service like that. Look for assets that you really feel like are going to be around for a long time. And that's so hard to determine, especially if you're brand new, because there's so many out there. And I'll just say that, look, you also want to understand that the vast majority of of coins and tokens in this market, they aren't good. Many are scams, legitimate scams, especially in a bull market. There's a lot of scams out there kind of proliferating the whole space. Um, and many are good, are quality in what they're trying to do, but they'll simply fail because of one of many reasons. And so you want to make sure you look at different assets with a few a few keen things in mind, or a few key things. One of them is the team, who's behind it, who built it, um, looking at the code. If you know somebody or you you have a way of looking into the the code behind a smart contract or a, a blockchain itself or whatever it might be to verify that the code is sound and secure and, and safe and it's going to be able to operate for many, many years to come, that's another metric you can look at. And I realize a lot of this is hard for a new person to do. And so maybe this is giving the wrong advice. But again, it's not financial advice. Um, what you can do is try and find people that you trust who are in the space, who you know will not lead you astray. And you can ask them about these different things. You know, How do you feel about the team, about the code, about the, the tokenomics, which just means what, what is the economics of the token or the, the coin out there? Um, and does it have inflation? How does that inflation, how does it disperse to the, the network? There's just all these different, different things that come into play with tokenomics that can cause something to, to increase in value rapidly and very, very, um, successfully over time and, or can actually significantly harm the growth of that asset financially due to bad economics. So that's a key thing as well too. But I feel like one of the biggest and easiest things that anybody can get if you're brand new is that community is, is almost everything. It's almost everything. If you find a, a large community in crypto that is rallying around a particular token or coin, and they are die hard, and no matter what happens, they're never going to sell, they're always going to be uh, supporting that particular asset, um, then you can bet that assuming the technology is sound, and there's no security breaches or failures in any way, that that is going to do very well long term. Because essentially, everything is a social construct. And if, if the people believe in it and are out there sharing it and, and spreading the good word, so to speak, then it's going to succeed. So you've got to have that buy-in. And everything is based off of, in all markets, but very much so in the crypto market, narratives. So looking at the different narratives, do the narratives that are being uh propelled out there in the marketplace actually match up with whatever the so-called, whatever the selling point is of the, of the um, technology itself, right? So if you're out there saying, I have this, this banking CD product that is, is super amazing, but it was originally designed to be something totally different and operates extremely poorly as a banking CD, then obviously that would not be necessarily a good thing to to jump into. Mm -hmm. So product market fit is also extremely important. Those are a few ideas. I know it's not uh, not enough to um, 
to go off of potentially. But I would say as well, be very, very careful in the crypto market. Because if you go and look at YouTube videos and you look at articles about crypto, whether it's from big sources or little sources in crypto, the vast majority of your advice and the direction that you're being pushed towards is is not the best. So I, 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 no, I noticed that on a, a couple of things, like there are a few, um, you know, personalities like on YouTube and it's like they're every day they're making a video where it's either the end of the world or it's the beginning of the new world. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, exactly. it's just wild. Fabi, did you have one? Yeah, I had one last question for you, Christian. So, you know, with all things in the world, there is the light side of, of it and there is the dark side. Like, for example, CRISPR technology where gene editing can, can cure people of, you know, d diseases that you can never do it before, but you can also go and edit other stuff that you probably shouldn't be editing in the human body. Sure. How, what do you think... Uh, what is, in comparison to crypto, what do you think those things would be? This, this dark side of crypto? I don't know if there is one. Well, there certainly is. There certainly is. I mean, there's a lot of, oh, uh, let me not say a lot. There is a minority that is active in crypto that is trying to gain a foothold and essentially make the old system part of the new system. Actually take over and co-op the new system that we're trying to build here one that is free and decentralized for all. And they're having no luck, <laughs> no <laughs> luck as of right now. And that's, and that's a very easy thing, I think. If you look at it from a consumer, even if you're not aware of the details or, or malevolent nature of some of these entities trying to develop just a new control grid, if you, if you simply have the option to, to be more free and to... Um, have more control over what you're doing, more choice. I think pretty much everybody's going to choose that over we're going to enslave you with our, our control grid. We're going to um, you know, have the ability to freeze your accounts and take all your money and right. do all these terrible things. And so that is one of the reasons why I believe these, these banks, for example, who are launching their own coins and tokens, they haven't had any massive success in the market because nobody wants to choose that. And people have seen for so long what the old system has done to the world and mm -hmm. they want no part of it. So I think as long as people continue to make the right choice that is in their best interest, that even selfishly gives them the most freedom and control, I believe they're going to, uh, that's going to win out. And, and so far it's proven to be true. So they are out there. There are definitely certain companies and certain enterprises and banks that are trying to infiltrate the space, but so far they've had very, very little luck in gaining real market share. Hey, Christian, on that note, is there like a resource that, uh, like a website or um, a, uh, uh, you know, something you can, you can get a membership to or something where it would give write-ups on each token, not necessarily recommending whether you should buy it or not, but it's kind of you know, summary, summary of, 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 you know, this is centralized, this is decentralized, this is, uh, uh, has this big a market, you know, is, is there a, a good one that beginners can go to, to kind of compare one to the other off of some similar metrics? Well, I wish I could give you an, an easy answer here. I'm afraid <laughs> to, uh, to throw some out there just because Everybody has their own agenda, even even good people in the space, you know, they have their own investments. Gotcha. So they're gonna really push certain things more than others, whether that's best for you or not, you know. That's a good point. Who knows? Now So uh, I, I hate to No, 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 I totally respect that. That that makes sense. But there is one last thing I think I, I wanted maybe to try to get your comment on, um, and then we can cut you loose today. But it's around regulation and um you know, I haven't uh, dove too deeply, but I mean, I know like we've heard things from uh, Janet Yellen saying things like, yeah, we should, you know, look into how we can regulate that. I think that'd be a worthwhile conversation. I mean, number one, I mean, <laughs> could it be regulated? I mean, true, you know, decentralized cryptocurrency, could it be regulated? And and are people already talking about that? I mean, do we know what that could potentially look like or or have you seen anything about that? Absolutely. That's been happening around the world by various governments and dictators and whatnot since the, the beginning of cryptocurrency. Because 
if it is really decentralized, what happens is you launch that that code, like the Bitcoin blockchain, for example, and the cat's out of the bag. You can put in whatever regulations you want. You can try and restrict it. You can try and ban it. But you can't stop anybody from using it, and you can't kill it. And so it makes it really tricky because governments essentially have to hope that you're going to operate on the honor system <laughs> and follow through. And again, I think that's a beautiful thing when it comes to giving the individual more freedom and control. And so it's their choice whether or not they're going to follow a dystopian order or a draconian order or decree of some kind. Um, there are technologies that have, have been shut down because of government regulation, and that just proves that they're not decentralized. And therefore, should they even really have an existence at all is, is the question. I think some people would say no, because we are here again to create a better future and one that is decentralized. And so whenever you have a centralized power or authority or entity or, or you know, backdoor keys to your technology, then they can control it. And so the key is to definitely avoid things like that if you care about freedom. So yeah, so no. there's no way for, for governments or, you know, minorities, ma malevolent <laughs> minorities to, to basically like bring down the grid or pull the plug somehow. Is that what you're saying? Well, it, not not so much that, but that is that's a great point actually too. People do a lot of times have a question when they're new to this marketplace: is what happens if the grid goes down, or or can they, you know, can different governments or or institutions or whoever try and disrupt the technologies? And mm -hmm. I would say it's it's not very easy, especially since this is a separate network from the internet. And as long as okay. the lights are on somewhere, even if it's in space. If you have your blockchain running in space or running somewhere else, like Christmas in Island, space? Little, what's that? In space? Is that like outside of in Earth? Space? Is that what you meant? Yes, correct. Oh, wow. Correct. <laughs> I had are, no there idea. Are, yeah, there are blockchain nodes running in space. Different people have put them on satellites. So Wow. Uh, <laughs> so the point is it'd be very, very tough for them to for them to kill it or even some natural disaster to wipe out the entire world of blockchain. Hmm. Well, that's amazing. That is amazing. And, you know, on that note, I think that's probably a, a good place to uh, 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 end the interview. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, speak with us about this. I, I think, Fabi, you say it's enlightened you quite oh, a bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that was, that was like the question that was percolating. I didn't know it was, you know, the pulling the, <laughs> the plug. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what happens now? Sure. Do we just need to get our storage of water and, you know, our dry food goods or <laughs> what do we do? But that is really good to know. Yeah, thank you so, so much for coming on and uh, giving us hope because our podcast has been uh, talking a lot about the problems, but we want to get to a point where we start talking about the solutions and what people can do in, uh, with all these changes that are coming. Yeah, I So we really that. appreciate it. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, I can leave you with this. There are so many amazing things being developed, even outside crypto right now, that have not yet seen the light of day for the public, but they are they're coming soon. It's very exciting. And it's a new enlightenment. <laughs> and we're on your, your tech string, okay? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sure. right. All right, Christian, thanks so much. We'll let you go. Appreciate it. Yes, you thank, thank you. you. Bye. All right. Well, that was uh, that was informative. That uh, was that was fantastic. So hopeful. Did uh, you get some things cleared up then? I did. Yes. What uh, what stuck out in your mind the most there? Definitely uh, the stuff happening in space. In space. <laughs> and you know, just again, you know, this is so new right now. Still, even though Bitcoin is, I don't know what is sixty thousand a coin right now, and it used to be. Yeah, I think it's 55 right now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's still new. There's so many coins. Uh, me being a programmer, uh, you know, just seeing the potential of people like me, you know, doing good in the world. Um, it was just a very inspirational, inspiring. Well, I, I mean, the, to me, the interesting thing is uh, that I'm really starting to see um, mainstream sources, you know, uh, um, advertising products related to 
Bitcoin specifically. And so, you know, never used to see that. And Mm -hmm. now we are seeing that. And so um, just think about this. Think about how high Bitcoin has gotten. And remember, Bitcoin is a dinosaur Mm -hmm. by all accounts. It was was the first one. And uh, um, all these new ones that have come out, I shouldn't say all, but I mean, a, a uh, a significant number of these new ones are much more efficient. They are much faster. They are much more scalable. Um, and these are just getting started, you know, as far as their uh, price growth and whatnot. And so, you know, I don't know whether they have the same capability as Bitcoin, but I mean, they're they're really in their infancy. I mean, hell, Bitcoin really is in its infancy. It's just mm-hmm. living off of its brand. Because it was the you know yeah. the, the Coca Cola of uh, of sodas <laughs> right or of currencies. So um, y- people have to understand that you know they're now starting to hear Bitcoin everywhere, and they're like, oh, maybe I should buy some Bitcoin. And really, um, you know, we're not making financial advice, but I mean, uh, you're just getting to this point because now the the regular market is is sees the the snowball coming down the mountain, and mm-hmm. and but I mean, there are so many of these really great opportunities that are out there that are still teeny tiny, you know, and they're just at their, their starting point. And so, you know, I think really people need to uh, use this as a new foray to do research, get to know the environment. And like he said, find a network of people, you know, we're, we're in a network and uh, really good advice and, and everybody, nobody's a snob, you know, you can ask, just about anything you want. And mm-hmm. people are very helpful because they want to see this cryptocurrency and blockchain environment grow. And the only way to do that is to welcome new people. Because the more people that are aware and are investing, the higher it's going to push prices because it's that's it's true. greater adoption. So, yeah, that's so, true. so think about how... Um, even though it's 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 at maybe its its peak as far as where it's been, how few people are investing in Bitcoin. If you went outside, you probably might not even still be able to find a person, you know, within an hour or two who that never who, heard of it. Yeah, no, no, not not necessarily that hasn't heard of it, but has invested in it. Mm, yeah, in some way, shape, I or form. I have invested in it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have. You've just done it through me. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so just imagine that and then think of, you know, people, uh, putting money into their retirement accounts. So many people, mm-hmm. uh, uh, invest in their retirement. So just moving this in, as being an optional vehicle, yeah. you're going to start to see this mass adoption. So even though you're hearing the name Bitcoin and cryptocurrency so much more, it's still at the front end of that, you know, really do your research and, and, uh, uh, jump in where you're comfortable. Amazing. But again, not financial advice. Yes. All right. That's it for this episode of the Collective Resistance Podcast. Fabi, what do you want to tell people? Stay healthy, stay safe, stay curious. <laughs> <laughs>